Hello and welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Flight School Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Turner Medlicott, joined here by one of my co-hosts, Adrian Walker. And it has it has been a minute, especially for you, Adrian. Uh, but I, I think at least like three weeks uh, since we le- released our last episode. Uh, and that one had me and me and Jonah, uh, our other podcast hosts here at uh, the Flight School Podcast. Uh, but it's been quite quite a minute. Uh, so it's I, been I, over a month for me, I think. Over I a month recorded. for you, which is atypical. Uh, but you know, we took a we took a little bit of a break. We had some. It, it's just crazy times of the year. I mean, y'all know I work in the school system. We were getting started with school and craziness and teaching kids how to come back in person. And Adrian was out in. Well, I'll let you tell the people what what were you doing for the past month, Adrian. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of been all over the place. I um, took a trip out to California for two weeks. I was in San Diego for a little over a week. Gorgeous. I was in Los Angeles for like a little less than a week. Mixed bag. Um, <laughs> I did get to see Staples Center in person, which was really cool. Um, there all the statues out front. I'm sure you are. Um, and uh, it, it it's been a lot of fun although i did like break my forehead you um, you did your your face is looking a lot better now thank you i really appreciate it (laughs) um yeah no i ended up getting like eight stitches um because i split my forehead open so that was that was fun in the middle of a trip on the west coast 2600 miles away from everyone else that i know (laughs) um so but it, them, it was uh, them, them walls in California don't play. They don't play. Um, <laughs> it is a lot of fun, though. Um, then came back, been getting back adjusted to work. Um, actually went and hung out with Turner like last Yeah, week. he came, he came um, down to good old Pembroke. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. It was great. Yeah, so i just kind of been all over the place. I'm finally starting to settle back down. Um, but my sleep schedule is absolutely messed up so like i told turner right before we started recording i am clinging on by a thread right now i'm just trying to not fall asleep uh at the keyboard that is that is we're prime directive at this point. <laughs> we're we're both in that spot because anybody who's listening to this who's in the school system knows that we're absolutely shot and we've only been doing this for like a week and a half with mm-hmm. with with students so everybody's getting used to things sort of being normal but also not being normal at all because delta uh and you know her sorority sisters are are messing everything up for us so nice. <laughs> uh but nah it's it's funny because the last time that we were recording we were so heavily focused on the nba and and the draft and uh free agency and that was pretty much all that we were talking about um because football hadn't really started back up yet um but as you're going to hear, most of this podcast is actually going to be football based because we're fully into the like NBA off off season where not much is happening at all, which is Damian Lillard is quote tweeting kids um, first who are, who are asking cool. them to rate his their fit wearing Portland jerseys. Like that's um, the that's the top <laughs> news of the week, pretty much. So, you know, it's yeah. we ain't really going to be talking about the NBA. But I guess the the one thing that we can maybe hit on in the NBA is that that Ben Simmons requested a trade, but like finally, duh, duh, 
Okay. We've been waiting on it to happen. We didn't uh, know whether the 76ers were going to force him out or whether he was going to request his way out. But one or one way or the other, it was going to happen. It's done. Uh, it's done. Also, Joel Embiid kind of called Philly fans trash, and I'm here for it. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah, I did. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. There's not much NBA news to be had. Uh, so that's when ben why Simmons actually gets traded. That that's what. We're then, yeah, then then we'll then we'll sprinkle a little NBA action in there. But it's time to move on to the other side uh, of the sports spectrum and to football. Um, and I think we'll get into a lot more of an NFL preview when we can bring Jonah on next week. Um, but we would be remiss not to mention this week and start off our football uh, months of podcasting really uh, with the fact that Cam Newton is not currently on an NFL team. And that's a bit of a shocker, um, especially because I literally picked him up in a fantasy league where I didn't have good quarterback play. And I was like, you know what? Maybe he'll surprise me in, in week one because I thought he was going to be the starter. And now he's not even on the team. He was on three days ago. Yeah, I know. You picked up Mac Jones like 12 minutes before I went and searched for him. And I and saw the news and I was like, time to pivot <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's wild to me. I didn't think Cam Newton was going to last a whole season as the Patriots lead quarterback. I don't think many people did expect him to last the whole season. I didn't expect him to be cut before the season started. That's um, what's crazy to me. You would think like, yes, quarterback competition you know you want mac jones to have the space to flourish but like i don't know man cam newton's kind of been there and done that i feel like like why not have him as a veteran presence on the roster i understand that he's a character um and he's also had uh the the public relations um spiffs recently with not being vaccinated etc etc um and that could maybe have played a part into it although belichick denied those rumors earlier today yeah um, i don't think he was telling the truth <laughs> i gotta say out that happened and everyone was like oh maybe it was be- partially because he was unvaccinated and then they were like no and then a bunch of other organizations were like yeah no none of our decisions were based on that what <laughs> it's yeah. like okay okay all right None of us believe you, but yeah. that's cool. That's besides the way. Yeah. So um, he's off the Patriots now. He's not rostered both him and Colin Kaepernick. Um, now yeah. not rostered by NFL teams. I think I feel like the two like quarterbacks that kind of introduced us into this like hybrid quarterback era uh, are now both not rostered currently. And now like uh, I was telling you this, my whole decision like making and fantasy football is based around like the hybrid quarterback. Like, you know, three seasons ago, Lamar Jackson or two seasons ago, Lamar Jackson was the guy. Um, oh, yeah. And then Kyler Murray last year took a huge leap. Russell Wilson's been this sort of dude for a while. Um, even Deshaun Watson, if you want to include his name into the hybrid quarterback uh category um it's just it's wild to me that those two who are the beginners are kind of phasing are getting phased out now um 
Kaepernick and Newton, that is. And now we, we're like into this new era of the same position doing the same sort of thing. Um, and it's becoming like possibly the most important um, position in football. Not not just the quarterback position, but like being able to do both things, uh, throw and run. Yeah. And it, well, and here's the thing it's, I, you feel like some team is going to pick him up for that because as you've talked about fantasy, like we were doing, we're both in some two quarterback leagues and it's like, there's a lot of new faces and uncertainty in the quarterback position this year. Oh yeah. Part of, part of that is intentional. Obviously the Patriots are in that situation because they chose to go with the unproven Mac Jones. Um, but there's so much of that this year that I'm very curious to see who picks him up. Um, and I honestly think that it's going to be a situation where I think not, it'll be the Texans. They'll be the tech. Yeah. I was going to say the Texans are in need of a quarterback or honestly, I, I mentioned the Colts. If he doesn't get signed right away. Yeah. And you know, heaven forbid, um, what's his face gets hurt. Like he always does. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Thank you. Carson Wentz gets hurt. Like, all right, Cam Newton's probably your next best bet. So, um, hell, if I was the Colts, I might go ahead and sign him today just as an insurance policy. Um, yeah. Especially, especially with Carson Wentz being even a question mark for week one. Um, but I don't see a scenario where he's not on an NFL roster within the next month. Like, he's still serviceable enough and good enough as a as a quarterback for him not to unless he decides to retire but i don't think that's where his headspace is at considering no. he was just about to play and be the starting quarterback for a team um after last year so he'll get picked up the question will definitely be uh where um yep. but uh that brings us to kind of what we've hit on a little bit is that we've done all of our fantasy drafts now so while oh, yeah. we're, we're going to wait to preview what the teams are going to do, I'm curious to hear some of your your standout picks or or uh, sleepers that you're excited to see in fantasy this year. Other than like, you know, everybody knows Pat Mahomes is going to put up numbers. Everybody knows Christian McCaffrey and yeah. like Derrick Henry are going to put up monster numbers. Uh, Devontae Adams, like everybody knows those guys, but it's the other guys that end up being a lot more fun that you get to say it like week 14. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I picked him. him. I yeah. picked him. But so who, who are some of those guys for you this year? So like I was saying, um, I think a lot of fantasy drafts or, or a lot of fantasy success is now based around this new era of the hybrid quarterback in our league. Um, I ended up getting, two of the top three, in my opinion, which is Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. They are going to be the cornerstones of my team this year. Um, I think uh, a couple players that I've drafted in a couple different leagues that people should keep an eye on. Uh, the first one I would say is Keenan Allen. Um, he's been solid for like, I don't know how many years now, um, but he's been pretty good. And he's had like subpar quarterback play, like decent to subpar quarterback play. Now he's got Justin Herbert in the fold, who is a blossoming star and who loves to sling it. Um, I think 
Keenan Allen's going to have a big year this year. I don't know if you feel the same. Um, uh, yeah, no, Keenan Allen, as long as that man stays healthy, he's kind of similar yes, to yes. Uh, to Austin Eckler, who's also on that team. Yes, um, that was going to be the next person that I brought. I'm, I'm kind of high on the Chargers offense this year. Like any Chargers As anybody should be. Yeah. It's it's the health that's the main concern, but that's a that's a gamble you always you always play. I mean, in in one league, I've drafted both Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, who both had really down years last year. But like, if Saquon stays healthy and Zeke back, you know, comes back up with better quarterback play, that's a home run draft. But if Saquon is nagging after his ACL and Zeke and uh, Dak Prescott gets hurt, like then that's going to be the biggest bust on my team. So I feel like you definitely have to take those risks so that you can say later on, like I was right to trust my gut. So I I think trusting that chargers team, despite the injury concerns is, is sometimes the way to go. Yeah. uh, Another passing attack that I've got my eye on is the Rams. Now they have Matthew Stafford. I think the two wide receivers are the Rams. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're going to take a step up. I mean, they've been good past two, three years. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Um, They consistently get a lot of targets, consistently get a lot of receptions and yardage as a result. Um, I just think Matthew Stafford elevates their ceiling, Um, which is that I think their floor is exactly the same, which was already good, and their ceiling has been raised. Uh, So I think those are value picks that – people aren't necessarily going for in the early rounds. Um, And then the last thing or the last player that I'll bring up, this is one that you'll like is I don't think he'll necessarily be good early, but I expect him to potentially take over the running back duties for Denver by like mid season, which is Javante Williams. Um, I think we're both very high on Javante Williams, of course. Um, being that he's a UNC alum, but I don't see Melvin Gordon like be getting in his way for an entire season. Um, I think by week seven or week eight, Javante Williams is an every down back. Um, I really look forward to seeing if he progresses the way I expect him to progress. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we said this on draft day, but he's, kind of been drafted into one of those perfect situations as a rookie back like Denver isn't great but they aren't bad and he's gonna have support he's not like like Michael Carter one he was drafted later and I don't think he's as he's a different NFL prospect than Javante but like Michael Carter got drafted by the Jets like that's that's an uphill battle but that's even he, yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of sad um but I I think Javante is going to end up having uh, a really solid year, even if he doesn't put up crazy numbers because he's he's battling for the starting spot. But I'm I'm totally with you. By halfway the point of the season, he's going to be he's going to be the lead back in Denver. I don't think they'll look back uh, past that point, which will be interesting because Denver. I mean, I'm getting too much into team play, but like Denver is one of those teams that I think is kind of building some pieces. Um, towards something which is also exciting for Javante um yeah I agree I I like Teddy Bridgewater as a pairing too I think not a ton of people are super high on Teddy Bridgewater they kind of see him as a meddling quarterback who's kind of going to be replaced at some point um but I kind of liked what he did 
and Carolina. I don't think that's he didn't have the weapons gonna... for most yeah, exactly. of the time. He didn't have McCaffrey weapons. He didn't yeah, he didn't even have Christian McCaffrey. Your um, your lead receivers are DJ Moore and Ro- Robbie Anderson, which are fine, but like those aren't elite. You can do weapons. a lot better. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now he's stepping into an offense where he's got two running backs that I think are solid right now. One that could get a lot better by season's end. Um, you got Jerry Judy. Um, you got a lot of weapons on that team. You got Noah Font. Um, who's an emerging tight end. Uh, I really like Denver's offense. Like the pieces are kind of there. Um, oh, yeah. I think Bridgewater's a lot better quarterback than people maybe give him credit for. Um, so I, I'm actually looking forward to watching that offense, mostly due, due to Javante, but I think he's got a much better like cast around him than, say, like Michael Carter does um, in New York. Oh, absolutely. Um, now on my end, um, other than other than the big stars, um, I think someone that I have my eye on uh, and that I have as a quarterback in multiple leagues, it's a big risk. Um, but I think Jalen Hurts is actually going to have a pretty decent year in Philadelphia. Um, now, do I think that he's going to be anywhere close to like a top 10 quarterback? in the league or in fantasy football. No. Um, but I think the Eagles have given him weapons to work with. Um, they drafted, uh, the, um, Alabama wide receiver, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Um, yeah, you know, you're talking, yeah, you're talking about, uh, Devante or yeah. Devante? Dev- yeah. Yeah, so they've added some wide receivers, and I think they've also hired a new uh, offensive coordinator because one thing that I think was not to his strengths last year is they had him, partly because they sucked, but they had him throwing the ball downfield a lot last yeah, didn't year. Did he have like, the highest average depth of target? Yeah, he was, he was throwing the ball an average of like 10 yards per throw, which is really high. Like with all the, the screenplay and crossing route and hitch route stuff that's in the NFL right now for you to be throwing like four, especially since he's a dual threat quarterback. Yeah. For you to be throwing that far and having to wait in the pocket to establish long throws, that's not his, his game. So he, uh, he's going to be unproven. He's got, you know, stuff going on and he could definitely be a bust, but I think he, he's not, he's never going to be quite a Cam Newton, but I feel like he's a, he's a Cam Newton light that if your league is going to value a rushing quarterback, I think he's going to have a pretty decent year. I think the Eagles are still going to suck by the way, but like that yeah. doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Fantasy no, 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 not fantasy. Um, yeah. So I, I have some faith in him for this year that could go completely down the toilet, but um, I have faith in him. I'm also in the same division. Uh, very weird because the NFC East is, is not a good division, but I think Ter- Terry, uh, McLaurin. Oh, is, I love Terry McLaurin. He's going to have a phenomenal year. Um, look how, like he had a good year last year with terrible quarterbacks, yes. like <laughs> God awful quarterbacks. And now that he has has fist magic, who is like 
borderline love good. Hate him. Yeah, love him or hate him, like he'll have games where he tosses like 450 yards and five touchdowns, and then the next game will show up with like 170 yards and no touchdowns and three interceptions. But, but he's yeah. gonna have a ton of opportunities um, in in a reworked uh, offense. Um, I also, side note. Uh, loved the looks that Deami Brown was getting in the preseason oh, yeah, from Fitzmagic. Uh, I don't think I don't think he's gonna be a strong fantasy player because he's too far down the depth chart. Yeah, uh, so far. But I think that that offense is gonna still be a big fan. <laughs> yeah, still a big fan. That offense is gonna be better. So Terry McLaurin uh, is definitely someone that I would watch. Um, and then my one sleeper bias pick, like I'm talking late round sleeper, is I think. Um, Chase Edmonds is going to have a good flex year for the Cardinals because yes, we have James Conner, but that man is going to be hurt by like week four. Um, yeah. Also, he's listed second on the depth chart anyway. Um, and while he's not going to rush for 100 yards, maybe in any given game, he's definitely going to be that guy that rushes for like 60 and gets like 50 passing yards and a touchdown. Um, and that's really servable, serviceable. Um, and I think that uh, the Cardinals office is going to change a little bit this year to help suit him, to help suit Kyler a little bit more, make it less about just Kyler running around slinging it and more yeah. about uh, offensive sets and, and, and plays and, and things like that. And I think that will fit Chase Edmonds pretty well. So he's, he's kind of my like late sleeper uh, watch um, that's off the top of my head. Um, but before we move off of NFL, how are you feeling? I have four fantasy teams. I don't know how many you have. I know you have at least two. I have four now as well. I I literally today I added my fourth team because, um, our work actually like our, our larger team, not the full Twitter organization, but like, um, <laughs> all of Twitter has like a 2000 yeah. person fantasy league. You got to hope you get one starting position in the NFL. Yes, exactly. Um, but no, it's, it's just, uh, like kind of the Twitter support, Twitter experience, gotcha. customer experience side of things. Uh, someone created a league, sent out an email to everyone is like, Hey, you should join. So I joined that today to make my fourth team. Um, but yeah, I have another fantasy draft tomorrow, and then I have a fantasy draft, I think, next week, the day before the oh my season God. starts. Yeah, that, day, that's stressful. <laughs> yeah, day before the season starts. Um, well, I guess I can't ask you how you feel about all your teams yet because you haven't drafted for Yeah, I haven't drafted them. half of them. I was about um, to say, I've, I've drafted all four. Um, okay. So... My Achilles heel, as you kind of know, is that in both of my dual quarterback leagues, I made the huge gamble to not really draft quarterbacks until late. So in one, I have uh, Jalen Hurts and Kirk Cousins, which is not going (laughs) to intimidate anyone. You know, it's really funny. I was actually, before we hopped on this podcast, I've been looking um, at teams to trade with because in that same league, which we're both in, yeah, um, I'm struggling at running back at the moment. Like I got Derrick Henry, at right. running, but then the <laughs> next the next running back that I got was DeAndre Swift. That's my number two, and I I just don't trust DeAndre Swift. Uh, so I'm looking. 
to get another another running back, and I have quarterbacks. Like I'm I'm loaded at quarterback. Uh, I got like I said, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. I also ended up getting Teddy Bridgewater and Derek Carr in that league. Um, so I have a, a a good depth chart when it comes to quarterbacks, and I can trade. The problem is there's not that many high level running backs um, that are out there that are worth sending what I'm trying to send uh, and and receive the value that I want. It, it's just everyone knows that fantasy trading is complex and complicated. But I was looking at your team. I was like, oh, Turner needs quarterbacks. Let I me, did need quarterbacks. The problem is you have Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, and then like nobody else. Um, <laughs> uh, Chase Edmonds, my sleeper pick, is on right. Yeah, Chase Edmonds, but <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't rely on him as a number two running back. Uh, no, you, you, you can't. You can't. You can't do that. Uh, but no, in that league, I have those two, and then another league, I have Russell Wilson, which is definitely an upgrade. Uh, and Joe Burrow, who is good, but his we all expect him to maybe the last the season, that. right? Like, are the Bengals gonna keep that man safe? Probably not. Um, so I'm very interested to see where that aggressive strategy takes me because uh, I told you this, but as long as my quarterback play is average, then I'm fine. But if Joe Burrow, uh, you hmm. know, destroys his other leg or uh, Jalen Hurts turns out to be a complete a sludge fest, um, I'm going to be in deep, deep trouble uh, yeah. with no with no way out. So. But I'm typically way more conservative in my in my fantasy drafts, so I wanted to have some fun this year, especially in our like atypical leagues with defensive players and stuff like that. I was like, you know what, we're gonna be aggressive this year. Yeah, we uh, also run leagues with IDPs, um, individual yeah. defensive players, which not a lot of people do. Um, but I think that adds an element, yeah, of, so a I, big element of fun to it. So that, that's those are the leagues I get to have fun with. So um, that's how I'm feeling about those. I think. All four of my teams could be last place, and all four of my teams could be uh, in first place. And I think that's the most fun place to be when you start a fantasy season is like not thinking you're terrible, but also not thinking you're great, Um, which uh, is probably what we could have said um, last year about Carolina football. But that is the language. Oh, no, not anymore. Of the past. We oh, have transitioned man. into a new it, era. It's kind of scary. Like we're ranked 10th in the country to start the season in football, not basketball in football. Like I'm pretty sure depending on how the AP polls shape up for basketball, but I'm pretty sure we're going to start this football season higher ranked than our basketball team. Is. I don't think our basketball team will be ranked. Yeah, like uh, which is <laughs> insane. I don't know when the hell that last happened. If, if ever, um, but yeah, it's a really exciting time to be a Carolina football fan. Um, probably the most exciting it's been since uh, the Larry Fedora, Marquise Williams uh, team. I think it's more exciting, honestly. I, I I do too, but I think I mean that team went twelve and one and and almost oh made, yeah almost made the college football playoff if not for a, a terrible offside call in the ACC championship. So. For this team to be the most exciting team since then, and honestly a team that people are more excited about because you have a quarterback in Sam Howell who is getting legitimate 
Heisman consideration in the preseason. Yep. Um, you've got a defense who didn't really, I mean, yes, we've lost uh, a couple, you know, guys on the defensive side, but really a defensive unit that is this unit's going to be special is going to be special and even better than they were last year, despite losing uh, those guys. Um, and it's such a weird kind of nervous <laughs> place for, for me to be. How, we have expectations. This is yeah, like I we don't, never come into a, a, a UNC football season with expectations. I don't, like we have them this year. I don't like it. I don't know what to do with them. I've never, I've never done this before. It's like, it's like how sometimes like NC state's basketball team is ranked in, in the top 25 and they're like, Oh my God, what are like, are we good? Ah, like it, yeah. it, it's like that feeling, but, but for Carolina football and it's, it's so, so special. Um, I have, I have season tickets uh, for this year uh, with Thank our, but, yes, with our old college roommate, Sam. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to have a ton of fun this year. Um, but I'm also just really nervous because we have to be at least like pretty good. We can't not be good this year. We, yeah. There's too much at stake. But how, how are you feeling just about the season in, in, in general? Well, honestly, like the season obviously excites me. It excites every single UNC fan out there. I think what's really been crazy to me is not only are we set up for this season, the recruits are pouring in. Like we beat, like, we beat Clemson for a defensive tackle, our defensive yeah. end. Yeah, yeah, what? like five star. Like we're not, they, we're not anymore in like the three to four star category with our defensive linemen, hoping that they pan out to be better than than they might be projecting. No, we're going for the top recruits at each position now. That's insane. Like that, that's legitimately crazy. If you had told me that we'd be in the running, not only in the running, but we would have secured one of the best defensive tackles in the country like three years ago, I'd have laughed. Oh, I'd have been like, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, okay, oh, okay. You're pipe oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, it is, it is legit what we're now doing with the recruits. Um, and that might excite me more than like this upcoming season because even if we don't pan out like the season doesn't pan out and we don't make the college play like i feel like our expectations are where we should be in contention for the, the playoffs like that's like that's ceiling of expectation i feel like, like but i no i yeah i get what you're saying like reasonable we might be a, a little bit outside but like you can actually picture that as a as a thing that could happen. Like we could make the, the playoff, which is there's some there's some Fox Sports analyst out there who's like my sleeper pick for the college football playoff is UNC, and that's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, um, that's just that's just I think that's wild to every single one of us, and the fact that even though that's going to be the case this year it's not a one-off like it was with the Fedora Marquise Williams team. Like next year, we're also going to be very good. And the year after that, we're also probably going to be very good. Um, that's, that's what's exciting. It's like, no, we're setting our, we're not just setting ourselves up for a really good year. We're setting ourselves up for a run of like, is there, 
isn't it crazy? And I and I include myself in this. Like when Mac Brown got hired, there was a. There was I a didn't in this. like the hire. I Dude, I didn't either. It's my worst take. It's my worst take, maybe. Ever. And we all feel so so stupid because yes. that man has turned around a football program. I don't think anyone has turned around a football program this quickly that I can remember. Not like remember. This, no. this century, like even even Dabo at Clemson, it took four or five years yep. to be built into that powerhouse. Like it took two these years. Things take time. Yeah, and no, we're not on Clemson's level yet. I'm not even saying that, but like we had three wins, and then we doubled that, and then we won what eight games last year? Nine games? Eight or nine games yeah. last year? And now we're preseason top 10. Like that is a exponential growth for a football team in just a few years. And we haven't even gone through like some of these recruits still aren't max recruits. Like we still don't have yeah. a full team full of Mac Brown's recruits, which is yeah. why I think we're so excited about, about the future. Um, but I want to turn to the team itself before we kind of give yes. a, a prediction to uh, the season. Um, and I'll, I'll start with the defense because I know we all know about Sam Howell and the, and his ability on the offense, but the defense I think is what we're almost the second biggest for. name on UNC. If not the biggest name, the second biggest name. And you've heard, heard Jonah preach his name like multiple times, but Tony Grimes, like this is, this is going to be a Tony Grimes season. Um, this is this is more than Tony Grimes. It's going to be a UNC secondary season. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's this secondary is so loaded. I mean, you've got Tony Grimes and Kyler McMichael as your as your two starting quarterbacks, cornerbacks. Um, with by the way, Storm Duck backing them up. That's not a name we want to leave Dude, out. Storm Duck is legit too. Yeah. <laughs> Then you've you've got Don Chapman playing the nickel. He's he's a junior. He's with experience. Then your safeties. You got Jaquarius Conley, who absolutely rocked A and M, and rocked Miami towards the end of last season. So he's a breakout star at safety. And then you've got the veteran Trey Morrison back at yep. safety. That. Is ridiculous. Oh, and Cam Kelly backing them both up. Like th that is a ridiculous secondary that it's going to cause yes. so many problems for opposing teams this year. Uh, and I love it. I remember a couple years ago, we went like four or five games before we even got our first interception. Like I expect us to have four or five interceptions by game two or three. Like this, yeah. this, this secondary is going to cause so many problems. Um, but that's, but that's not where it ends on the, on the defense. Like, yes. Um, I'm, I'm really can't remember names, but our, our star linebacker from last year, help me out. Uh, you're good. <laughs> I'm lost too. Like, Come, uh, I, honestly, I, I, this is where I love Jonah butting in because Jonah that's has correct. a oh, knowledge that's, of I, I should yeah. know. We should know. I that. know. I know. We should know it, but Jonah has a legit knowledge of this roster better than I think either of us. Either of us combined. Do. Um. So 
that that we are missing Jonah this episode because he is the he'll he'll correct he'll correct us next. Oh week. yeah, but, absolutely. But Chaz, my main point is Chaz Surratt is gone, and you might go, I mean, oh you're no, about Chaz. Yeah, I, I didn't realize you were talking about Chaz. Yeah, that's why I was banging my head. But Chaz <laughs> is gone, yes. But Jeremiah Gimmel is back. Um, yeah. Mac Brown has been raving about that dude for the past month. About he called him and like Mac Brown coached a national championship winning team at Texas. Yes. By the way, he called Jeremiah Gimbel the best leader he's ever had in a football team. Like, yeah, like that. That is when <laughs> you talk about high praise. Like. That is of the upperest <laughs> caliber. Like that is that is the highest caliber of praise you could about receive. And outside of Jeremiah Gimbel, you have Eugene Asante, who only didn't get more playing la- time last year because you had Chaz Surratt there. Like Eugene Asante is good. Also, you've got all name teams continuing on the d- defense with Power Eccles and Ra Ra Dilworth. Like this defense is so much fun. They're good. They've got great names. Like Power Eccles is gonna like turn some dude upside down, and oh, everyone's yeah. gonna lose their mind because his name, his first his, name is his Power. Is power, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's gonna be insane. Uh, and then I think one of my favorite stories is that the Fox brothers are back. You've got Taman and Tamari back, uh, bringing in the inside. Um, the defensive line doesn't have as many like big names. It's got a lot of sophomores and freshmen, um, but they're not, they're going to be serviceable at worst and pretty good at best, um, which is going to make everybody else on the defense. Who's going to be really good. Um, awesome. So I think this defense actually makes a step and might even despite Sam Howell's best efforts to win a Heisman trophy, be the reason that Carolina wins big games yeah. this year. No, um, I, I 100% agree. Offense, you know the names. I think the biggest thing that we can move to with the offense is how do you replace Javante um, and, Michael, and, Michael and Michael Carter? Because I don't know. <laughs> um, the good news is that we have Ty Chandler, who came to us from uh, ten- Tennessee, I believe. Um, but I think the answer is you, you don't, you can't, yeah, that, is, that is the answer is, is you don't, which is okay again, because you have Heisman candidate, yeah, Sam Howell. you can transition the, the offense to reflect what you have on the roster. You don't necessarily have to run the same offense that we ran last year when we had two of the best running backs in like, college football. I don't think people realize that. Sam Howell might have won the Heisman last year, been in the running last year if he didn't have two NFL caliber running backs to just hand the ball off to every play. Yeah. Like his job, he's got a lot more pressure on him this year, but like he didn't have to do as much last year because they we ran the ball so much, and that's what we should have done. And this year. Yeah. And we're not even talking about NFL like bench running backs. Like Javon Carter. Michael Carter. They might be started both starting by like week seven or eight and like be the, the lead back for their respective teams. That's unheard of coming out of college. Like you might have one really good running back that that dominates um possession once after they get drafted. Najee Harris, 
um, is going to be ex- an example of that this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But like two, yeah, and that's wild. <laughs> that's no, it's it's absolutely wild. And the last thing I'll say about this offense that I think is is really important too, other than having Sam Howell, is that you remember in that Miami game how we absolutely pummeled them, and part of the reason we pummeled them is because Javante and Michael Carter would run like 20 yards before they, they even had made a defender. Like two mile gaps in the offensive line. Yeah. That offensive line is pretty much the same yes. as it was last year. You've got a senior at right tackle. You've got a senior at right guard. You've got a uh, fifth year player at center. You've got a junior at left guard and a junior at left tackle. Like you're bringing back pretty much everyone Yep. And that is so key when you're transitioning as an offense. I I think um, that'll be key for Sam Howell. He needs to learn how to throw the ball away a little bit more, but you would hope that, you know, year three, he learns a little yep. bit more. Um, and all of that is why I think we're so excited this year. Like the, up and down the roster, there isn't really a ton of holes, and that's how you become a top 10 team. Yes. Now... Onto onto our schedule and our expectations. What before I go through the schedule, what do you think this team's record is going to be at the end of the season? Because I know we're we have high lofty aspirations of maybe we can be a college football playoff sleeper, but if we're more realistic with ourselves, where do you see this team and ending the season? Um honestly, I I genuinely think we can be a double digit win team um i don't necessarily expect us to like have one loss i think we might end up with like two or three losses um Mm -hmm. so we might have like nine wins or or 10 wins like i think i I think 11 and one is the the ceiling of ceilings um and i think we're more realistically like nine and three like that that's about what i expect that's that's similar to what i expect expect but i'll put in a stipulation if we can beat virginia tech who we'll we'll talk about in a little bit here yeah or um honestly i'm just gonna go ahead and bring them in our, our first game is against virginia tech um and it's at virginia tech on a Friday at 6 p.m., which I'm so frustrated about. You should never put a college football day at 6 p.m. That's when yeah. high school football is, first of yeah. all. And second of all, that's just a terrible time. But regardless, it's at a sold-out cl- uh, crowd in Blacksburg, Virginia, against a team who doesn't really like us. Um, and we against, haven't performed well against. Uh, we have not performed well against uh, with a team with lofty expectations. I am terrified for Friday night. Yeah, that I'm, is one of the that's that's one of the games that I have marked chalked up as a loss. I just I have I'm going into it with bad feelings. I do think though, if we show up to Virginia Tech and we beat them like good like we sh- probably should this year. Um, like if, if we end up kind of steamrolling Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech, um, that's going to reevaluate my expectations for this team for the rest of the year. Because I think this is a very big hurdle to have as your first game. I, I, I agree. And I don't like it because 
I think coming off of a COVID year, you should make your first game a little bit easier, like our second game, which is Georgia, Georgia State. State. <laughs> that would be a great first game. Get get all the rust off. Let you know. Now, if we were playing a team like, you know, a Miami or a Notre Dame in the first game, it's like, okay, well, you know what? Get the like better teams while while they're still rusty too, because you're maybe going to lose to them anyway. Um, but Virginia Tech's one of those like six and six or seven and five teams who's not really going anywhere, but like is so dangerous, dangerous to beat you. Yep. So that's going to mean a lot to me. I think if we win that game, we have a real shot at a 10 and two season, which would be phenomenal. Um, that yes. would definitely get us to um, the ACC championship game um, yep. with a, a date with, with Clemson, uh, which would be a huge, uh, achievement and i think that needs to be the realistic goal of this team for this season yeah, yes college football playoffs and rankings are great but as good as we were last year we weren't in the acc championship game um so that needs to be the next step um and then after you get there you win it and after you win that you try to get to the college football playoffs. so if we can beat virginia tech i'm confident about the rest of the schedule um i, I also I want to say it is highly unlikely, but there is a path where we could go undefeated in regular season play. Like our team, the team is good enough. I I don't see team, it happening. The team is good enough. The biggest hiccup to that, to me, is that we have to play at Notre Dame. Yes. In, that's, in, absolutely in that's absolutely the hurdle to not only an undefeated season, but like, that could be a, a, a big momentum de-booster. Uh, yeah. Say we come into that game without a loss. Uh, if we get not only beaten, but potentially beaten fairly badly um, by a Notre Dame team at Notre Dame, it could kind of kill our momentum for the rest of the season, and I could see us taking a loss. Um to say a team like Pitt, a team we shouldn't lose to, um, but might just due to lack of momentum. Yeah, there's ultimately to me, there's there's three games that I'm really nervous about on the schedule. And one of those is Notre Dame for obvious reasons. That's the one yes. that makes the most sense. Um, I know people could say Miami because I think Miami is going to be better this year and they weren't completely healthy when we played them last year, but and they're going to want revenge and they're going to want revenge. But my thing is, is like our team re I think really enjoys owning Miami and they're going to be pumped for that game. Yeah. Um, I it's going to be a tough game, but I'm not worried like I am for these other games. Um, I'm also worried about, keeping on the the virginia bandwagon i'm worried about virginia we have not really we have not played well against virginia no, right. in a very long time we dropped a game to them last year that we shouldn't have um we've never i don't know if their freaking dual threat quarterback still plays there i hope he doesn't he has to have graduated by now but we could net he would always like throw for 215 50 yards and run for 180 on us and it was it was yeah. a mess so 
I'm I'm nervous for that game, and I'm only really nervous for that game if we steamroll Virginia Tech. Because if we steamroll Virginia Tech and then we beat up on Georgia State, I'm worried that we get a little overconfident in our abilities and we come out sluggish against against Virginia. Now, luckily, this is the type of team that I think can overcome sluggish starts. Um, but I also just don't want to put us in that situation, especially when yeah. there's tougher games uh, down down the line. Honestly, the second half of the schedule is going to be tough, man. Like Florida State's improving. Then we get Miami. Then there's Notre Dame. Then I, I was going to say that it's at Pitt. Honestly, of all the games I'm most nervous about, I think Notre Dame's the obvious one. But and and Virginia Tech, we've established our feelings there. Um, I'm not necessarily as concerned about Virginia or even Duke or Miami. Oh, Duke, I'm not worried about. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about Florida State. Um, I like you said, they're an improving team, and they're coming into Chapel Hill on the weekend of our graduation. Um, where we'll have our commencement ceremony and everything, and there's just it, it's gonna be a weekend where the the carpets, like the red carpets, are supposed to be laid out. It's supposed to be a great weekend for everyone that's a Tar Heel, quote unquote. Um, and that's enough motivation for any sports team to come in and try and wreck the weekend. Um, like that, that's that's what you live for if you're an athlete. Is like, oh. This weekend was put in front of us where all of the the former uh, uh, alum that are trying to graduate are coming back and we have the opportunity to kind of ruin that weekend. I well, if, 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 if I'm a Florida State football player, I'm look I'm circling that date on the calendar. I'm saying I want to beat UNC on the weekend where they have seniors coming back. Um, to do commencement like celebrations that that if, if i'm a florida state player that's what i'd be doing um that's the biggest thing i think it's a good wrap up to carolina football this season is with higher ranking and success comes a target on your head every week it's what yes. we experience in basketball all the time like it's why we have some random ass white guy score 30 points on us mm -hmm. despite shooting like 23 percent from three for the rest of the season but he heats up and plays like he's michael jordan when he's against unc basketball yep. it's because all of these teams are like all right this is the team they're like they're getting my best and then some and i think especially yep. for some of these more like prolonged success football teams like a florida state it's like okay like okay unc football they're good now like, like we own this conference this is mm -hmm. what we do y'all need to get knocked back down to where you're supposed to be yeah, exactly. uh, and i think we're gonna face a lot of that this year luckily i think we've got some uh sublime trash shockers on the team that are gonna <laughs> live up to that but it's every week it's gonna be yes we got to knock Carolina back down to where there's where they're supposed to be. Um, but I'm excited um, for this, for this game. Um, I'm nervous about Virginia tech. Um, I'm still going to have 
flashbacks and, and nightmare dreams about that six overtime game two years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just I just asked that this game against Virginia Tech is is not a close game. I just need that for my mental health. That's that's my one request for Carolina football. Now I hope it means that we win by like seventeen points and not the other way around. But I I don't know. I'm nervous. I'm also really excited. More than anything, I'm really excited. It's just going to be a really fun season. And I think we're going to have lots of things to talk about. And hopefully, I don't think I might eat my words, but I don't think I'm going to be like actually mad at this team this year because they're like the expectations are high. But like, unless they start out like two and three or something awful like that, it's almost like, all right, like we're building, we're having fun. And it, we're getting there. It's like part of the process still. I like I said, I might I might completely eat that, but I don't know. Like I I feel like even if we drop the opener to Virginia Tech, it's like okay, cool. Let's win the next eleven games. It's all good. Yeah, I I agree. I think right now excitement exceeds expectation. Um, so we're ridiculously pumped for the season to start see what this team's like against a big hurdle and Virginia Tech in, in their first game. Um, but then moving forward, like, even if we lose to Virginia Tech, I don't think I'm going to be dis- – like, obviously I'll be disappointed, but I don't think it's going to carry over. Like, I think I'll be just as excited for week two. All right, let's – we got knocked down. Let's get back up. Let's see if we can surprise some people. Maybe we beat um, Notre Dame. And then our path is a whole lot easier um, to a really good record um, and potentially even a shot at the playoffs. Like there's so much excitement and encouragement around the team that I don't really see myself getting thrown off of that. Um, Especially considering that even if this team doesn't perform quite to the expectations we want this year, next year is going to be just like, it's going to be exactly the same. Like we're going to have, the exact same amount of excitement because there's going to be a lot of intrigue. Um, Sam Howell could be returning or he could be gone and we could be replacing him with Drake May. Like there's, I, I don't think I can be thrown off of the positivity bus when it comes to UNC football this year. I also could come in to eat those words, but (laughs) <laughs> I, I just I, I I just don't see it happening because there's too many positive things to focus on. Exactly. And it, we're talking about excitement and positive things into a Carolina football season. Just let that sink in and again. Like that's that's the coolest thing in the world. Yes. But that's gonna do it uh for us this episode. Um thank you so much for listening. Uh you can follow us on Twitter at flight underscore pod. Uh, and we will be back next week uh, to talk about the Virginia Tech game, bring Jonah on board, um, and talk about what the big leagues uh, in football are going are gonna to look like this year. Um, but <laughs> pray for us on Friday night when we're like holding our arms behind our head because we're nervous about the game. Uh, yes. We're going to be all right, but it should be a fun one. And until then, y'all have a great week. Peace.